Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Dan Seitz, senior pastor here at Hillside. Just great to be with you today. This summer, we have been in a series called A Song for Summer from the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119. Uh, But two weeks ago, I took us on a detour in a message called Hugo's Notebook. And that detour was part of the original plan of the series. We knew that gearing up for a new year of ministry was going to require that we take a couple of side trips. Uh, This morning, we're going to take another one, another detour. Uh, But I'll tell you, this one was not actually according to the original preaching plan. And I'll explain this way. About two weeks ago, uh, just after that First Hugo's notebook message, uh, I introduced Amazing Race 2223, and, and afterwards I started cranking away on uh, my message from Psalm 119. Uh, I began simmering in it. Uh, I met with a wise friend from Hillside, Mark Keller, to, to read it and to talk about it and to think it through. But as I cranked away, I sensed God's Spirit leading me to do something different today, specifically a sequel to that message, so that as a church family, we could dive deeper into what I believe, as your pastor, is critical for us to do to realize our mission for Hillside. So that's what I got for you today. I'm giving you Hugo's notebook Part two. And in case uh, you've never seen the great movie Hugo, you, you ought to see it. But it's the story of this orphan named Hugo. He lives in the train station in Paris. And he's got this notebook in his pocket. And the notebook has sketches of something that he loves and wants to build up. Well, I have a notebook of sorts in my pocket. And it's got sketches of something that I am captivated by and something that I love, something we love, this church. And that's what we're talking about this morning. So before we plunge in, let's let's pray for God's Spirit to be with us. God's Spirit has been with us. It has the room has felt joyful and celebratory, but heavy with the Spirit of God. So let's pray that God's Spirit continues to move among us. Pray with me, would you? Dear Father, Even before your son died on the cross for us and then rose and then ascended to your right hand, he promised that you would send the helper, the Holy Spirit, the third person of your eternal being to guide us into all truth. And therefore, we pray as your beloved children, as the ones you rescued from justly earned condemnation, and turned us into your friends and partners, we pray that you would speak to us through what I share this morning. And Father, if there's anything that I have in these notes that's not your message today, then I pray that you would deafen us to it. And on the other hand, all that I have written that captures your will for our family, I pray that you would amplify Thanks in advance for how you are meeting with us today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. 
Well, again, two weeks ago in uh, Hugo's Notebook Part 1, I shared with you an area where I believe we need to grow as a church family to realize our mission as a church in this time of rebirth as a church, because that's the season we're in. We're in a series of rebirth. We're in this series, and actually, churches all over the world are in a a time of rebirth because of the disruptions of the last two and a half years and beyond. And I shared with you what I think we need to do to become, in reality, a church that is light in the world, that, that demonstrates throughout the world the reality of Jesus through our renewed personhood that people can see, through practical service that our community values and can experience, and then through gracious conversation about Jesus. That's what I think light-bearing really means. And if you were here for that special worship service two weeks ago, special because God interrupted it. (laughs) He really did. He had another plan for us two weeks ago. But you'll remember that I proposed that our first step is to build atop a foundation that we already have here at Hillside, but to build it up, and that is to strengthen our ministry culture, to unleash the incredible ministry talents and resources of this church family. And I was a little more specific than that. Specifically, to shape our ministry culture into something that is gift-based, team-based, and term-based. And each of those modifiers is really important. And I want to tell you what I mean. I want to say it again. By gift-based, I mean a ministry culture here at Hillside in which everyone starting about 14 years and up has the opportunity to serve in a ministry role that matches their gifts. To make a contribution to Hillside that they enjoy because it coheres with their created shape, the way God made them and gifted them. And this means every hillsider who can, who's physically able to do it, not all of us are, joining a race team, a ministry team, including teenagers. That's what I mean by gift-based. By team-based, I mean a ministry culture in which every hillsider serves with a conscious awareness that she or he has others serving with them on a team because it's fun and motivating to serve with others to know that we're not alone in the work that God has called us to do at Hillside, but we have a band of brothers and sisters to do battle with. And then lastly, by term-based, I mean a ministry culture in which Hillsiders serve in a role, not indefinitely, but for a set period of time, usually nine months, one whole year in children's ministry, though, because that's necessary, And that's important because term-based ministry service, a term-based ministry culture forms a deep chord with the biblical idea of Sabbath, that work is followed by rest. And in order to strengthen that culture, the staff and I came up with an initiative called Amazing Race 2223. Props to Stephen Weissong for coming up with the name. And in the future, we want to do this. We want to call each ministry year at Hillside from the end of August to the very beginning of June, Amazing Race, followed by the year. So this year's would be Amazing Race 22-23. And we invited you during this pre-race phase to consider 
a ministry role at Hillside. Many of you have been around for a long time. You have a a certain sense of, of what are the key roles, but we've actually listed them on an online ministry catalog that tells you all of the opportunities. And then we said, if, if maybe you want to do something that doesn't fit into one of these boxes, let us know. And you can do it, and we will absorb it into our list of ministries. But something that pulls out your best. And we invited you to select a role just by picking one out and then sending an email to the staff person or lay leader who runs that team. And then for those of you who just had no idea what to do, we invited you to fill out this card, an Amazing Race card. Just the one card that's involved in this project. And if you fill this out and you give it to us, you will get a personal consultation with a staff person or a ministry lay leader to help you figure out which team would be best for you. I got a card like this from Carol Collins last Sunday, and I was delighted because she is one talented hillsider. We're making good progress there, but where else do we need to grow? That's what we're going to talk about today. This is something I've talked about before, but today I'm going to talk about it in a much plainer way and with a little more fire. To realize our vision to be light in the world, which is a wonderful vision, by the way. I salute the team, Tony Friday was one of the people on that team a few years ago who came up with that vision and what it means. It's outstanding. It grows right out of Scripture. Matthew 5.14 says, you are the light of the world. But to realize uh, that vision, I believe in addition to, to building up our ministry culture, I think that we have to build up what I'm going to call our culture of spiritual companionship. And I'm going to make that even plainer. I believe every hillsider needs a transformative group. And what is a transformative group? By transformative group, I mean something very specific. It's not just any kind of group, but something very specific. A transformative group is a gang, a platoon, a pod, six, seven, eight people maybe, that meets consistently, not necessarily every week, but consistently for three activities, each absolutely central. Friendship building, bonding, meditation, a a fancy word for careful consideration of God's word. And this is key, exploration, by which I mean discerning together as a community of friends, how Jesus is leading us at that moment. Because as Christians, we are followers of Jesus, the living Lord. And so to follow Jesus, we need to discern how he is leading us. Now, why do I think this is so important? Why am I pressing on this so much? There are four reasons. First, Without a culture of deep spiritual companionship, hillsiders will not stay at Hillside. It doesn't matter what else is positive about somebody's experience at Hillside. If he or she doesn't develop deep relationships, connections that go beyond friendly small talk, he will not stay at Hillside. In order to grow up in Jesus and join our light-bearing work. 
So a culture of spiritual companionship in which everyone from sixth grade up or so has a posse of real spiritual friends is essential for our basic integrity as a church. What's the second reason? Without deep spiritual companionship, hillsiders will not receive adequate care in times of trouble. Let me tell you what I mean by this. We have an outstanding care pastor in Jane DeYoung. We do. She is a true pastor, and it is a joy to work with her every day. We have an outstanding care team with ministry superheroes like Joni Templeman, a mighty woman. Yeah. And when the bottom falls out from under us with divorce or diagnosis or the death of a family member, we need those formal, established care resources. But we need more than that. That's not enough. We need the gang. We need the platoon. We need the pod. We need the four brothers with whom we have been sharing life and talking about ourselves and contemplating Scripture and discerning how the King is leading us. We need those guys, too, to rally around us and to prop us up. Care from our closest spiritual companions is the best care. Third, without deep spiritual relationships, we will not know who to lay down our lives for. Let me tell you what I mean by that. As believers, we are called to lay down our lives for each other. We are called to costly, sacrificial, practical service to one another. Jesus says that's how the world will know us. And this means if necessary to save their lives, we are the ones who run into the classroom to tackle the man with the gun. That's what it means. But more typically, it means giving our time and our hearts and ourselves and our emotional resources to help our brothers and sisters in more mundane ways. Well, if we think it through, if we think it through at all, we quickly realize we can't do that for everyone everywhere. We can't help everyone at Hillside pack the U-Haul. We can't bring chicken soup to every sick person at Hillside. We can't stay up all night to console every heartbroken Hillsider. We can't now, and we definitely won't be able to after we grow. Each of us is finite with a need to rest, a need to establish limits. Even Jesus set limits, but here's what we can do. We can go to the wall for the people in our groups. That's manageable. And they're the ones we can help load the moving truck on the hot July afternoon. They're the ones whose kids we take for the whole weekend so they can go away for their 10th anniversary weekend trip. They're the ones we invite into the spare bedroom when they are shattered over a personal collapse or relational rupture. You see, by building up our culture of spiritual companionship, we also build up our culture of care. And in fact, we really just get it to its baseline. 
Fourth, without deep spiritual relationships, hillsiders will not make progress, or at least very much. We are called as Bible-believing Christians who are living into the particular story of Scripture, not generic spirituality. We are called to make progress in the Christian life. In his first letter to Timothy, Paul says to him, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. And we wouldn't want it any other way. The call to make progress in Christ-likeness is money. This is what we want. The benefits are incalculable for us and everyone else we live with and everyone else who follows us. And this idea can be obscured sometimes, often in pulpits. But that is so weird and so unfortunate because this is part of what makes the good news so good that we're called to progress in our lives with Jesus, to become more like him over time. But in case you wonder whether joyful progress, becoming more and more a little Jesus in the world, in case you wonder whether that is really central to Christian spirituality, listen to Paul in Ephesians 4, starting at verse 13. Listen to what he says. And if you have a Bible with you and you mark up your Bible, you might consider underlining this. Paul says God's goal is for us to become mature adults, to be fully grown, measured by the standard of the fullness of Christ. As a result, we aren't supposed to be infants any longer who can be tossed and blown around by every wind that comes from teaching with deceitful scheming and the tricks people play to deliberately mislead others. Instead, by speaking the truth with love, let's grow in every way into Christ. You know, there are a number of wonderful spiritual activities through which the Holy Spirit sculpts us into little Christs. And one of those absolutely indispensable practices is regular morning prayer. Talking to God for 10 minutes and then working up before we do anything else, and especially before we touch the phone. But if there's one spiritual discipline, rock, that has got to be placed in the jar early, it is spiritual companionship. The transformative group, as I have defined it, organized around, again, friendship, scripture, and exploration. Bonding meditation, exploration. And disciples morph most when they are nested with trusted friends, when they talk with those friends about who they really are and how they sense Jesus, the one they pledged to follow when they were baptized or confirmed, is leading them. And you see, when they, when we engage with others in that prayerful, spirit-aware, scripture-framed exploration of Jesus' specific leading of us that moment, that week, all sorts of good floods into our lives. Everything changes. Marriages are strengthened. Marriages are saved. 
Addictions are overcome. Vision is sharpened. Wisdom is gained. Disasters are averted. Opportunities are seized. Joy is restored. Potential is realized. And what's true of adults in small groups is equally true of teenagers in small groups, which is why transformative groups need to be the defining feature of Hillside Student Ministries. It is amazing what can happen when a teenager inhabits a loving, transformative group with other students who they bond with under the care of a committed shepherd who knows them and loves them and speaks the truth to them. That teenager can trend towards joy and strength and mental health when so many other teenagers, shepherded as they are by the technological industrial complex, trend in the opposite direction. Everything can change. It's amazing what happens when all of us make that investment and take the risk of letting trusted spiritual friends, people who we know and trust, behind the curtain of our lives to see who we really are and to help us plan new ways forward. We need spiritual companionship if we're going to grow into the people that Jesus died and gave us the spirit to make us. Now, let's get practical. How do we do this? What's the pathway here at Hillside? And I'm going to start with the men, just the men for a moment in the room. Very practical. What does it mean right here at Hillside right now? If you are ready for a transformative group, if you're ready to begin progressing in Jesus' likeness, I recommend that you begin with either Kairos, which meets on Monday night, or Wednesday morning men that meets Wednesday mornings. (laughs) Kairos is led by Pete Stafford and Jack LaSalle. Wednesday morning men is led by Rich Cordes and assisted by Larry Dotson, who founded the group many, many years ago. What a legacy. Thank you, Larry. And although each has a first-rate teaching element, what's really important for our purposes is that each also has a meaty small group component. And men, in looking for a transformative group, I recommend you start there. Start there. Kairos launches again on Monday night, September 12th. Wednesday morning, men meets year-round with few breaks Uh, They meet at 6.30 in Bergeson Hall. Start there. For women in the room, if you are ready for spiritual companionship, I recommend that you start with one of two ministries, Oasis or The Well. Start with one of those two ministries. Like Kairos and Wednesday Morning Men, Oasis and The Well each begin with a rich Bible component that's exceptional, but then they break out into transformative groups organized around the big three, friendship building, consideration of scripture, and discernment. What is Jesus calling me to do? How shall I follow him today, this week, this month? Oasis is led by Becky Garner, among others. It meets on Tuesday morning starting September 13th. The Well, which is led by Jane Rutledge, along with others, meets on Tuesday nights, also starting September 13th. Now, if for any reason those four transformative group habitats, they don't work for you, maybe you have softball on Monday nights, 
Maybe you work on Tuesday mornings. Maybe you want to be in a group with your husband or your wife. I recommend a standalone group that meets either in a home or on the on-church campus. Some of these groups are meeting right now. New ones are going to launch the week of September 11th. And we're going to be taking signups for those groups starting August 14th. Now, let's say you just don't know. You are intrigued by this possibility, but you don't know. You don't know which nest would be best, to quote the children's book. We want to help you land. We have a ministry team here at Hillside that will give you personalized assistance for finding a group. They are my friends, Gary and Jane Chin, Marilyn Tagliarini, and Sarah Edinger Gomez. Sarah serves as their ambassador to our young families. And this fantastic four is Hillside's official transformative groups leadership team. And their role is to create groups, sustain groups, and help every single one of us who wants one find spiritual companionship at Hillside in a group that meets their needs and temperament and schedule. And that last task of meeting with us and helping us find a group that would work for us, that makes them group concierges, too. That's what they've signed on to do for Amazing Race 22-23. Now get this. I want you to hear this. Because hillsiders with young kids often have the most difficulty finding a group that fits for them, we discovered this last year, this team, these four, are going to be reaching out to each of our young families over the next month to have a personal conversation about a group that would fit with them. I have specifically asked them to do this, and it's a big ask. Because I want every young family parent here at Hillside to be nested in a birdhouse. It's critical, especially in these years when the kids are young, when marriage is tough. The problem is a one-size-fits-all approach doesn't work for young families. So you know what we're going to do? To quote Anne Lamott in her famous book, we're taking a bird-by-bird approach. One bird by one bird. We're going to reach out to every family personally, and we're going to talk. And in those casual chats, we're going to start by highlighting Kairos and Wednesday Morning Men and Oasis in the Well. And from there, we'll showcase our, our various home groups, and we have a lot of them. And if none of those work, and they might not, we will handcraft a group or at least work towards it, for anybody who wants one. And I am so thankful that they are willing to do this custom crafting. And I want to say, counsel agrees from the heart that small groups are vital for the transformation that light-bearing requires. So this team, Gary, Jane, Marilyn, Sarah, they are our representatives And they are serving with our blessing. And we hope that you will be open to their ministry as they will be open to your ministry to them. And we also hope that some of you will make serving as a home group leader, a shepherd, the way you race in Amazing Race 22-23. And just so you know, the four of us are hosting a small group leaders celebration dinner and training night Sunday, August 28th. And we would love for you to be there. Lynette Jenkins has already signed on to make the delicious meal. She did it last year, and it was fabulous. The chicken was so good, I wept (laughs) while I ate it. 
I'm so thankful for Lynette. I'm so thankful for anybody who can cook a meal so that people can come together to pray, plan, celebrate. Claudia Young comes to mind. In a minute, I'm going to bring up those four, and we're going to pray for them. Before we do, let me close with this. To return to the movie Hugo for the moment. If you've seen it, you know that the antagonist in the story is the station inspector, Gustave Dusté. And the inspector despises ragamuffin kids, mostly orphans who hang around the station, who sneak around stealing croissants to survive. And the station master wears this clunky leg brace, which makes graceful movement very, very difficult. Well, what halfway through the story, after you as the viewer have been set up to dislike him, you learn that the station inspector has a crush on the young woman who manages the flower stall in the station. And we've seen her before. She's beautiful. She's generous. She's kind to everyone walking by. Just think Katie Weibert, okay? <laughs> anyway, she resolves, he resolves to make contact with Lisette, and he begins walking over to her. But before he reaches her, his leg brace makes this horrible screech, causing everybody to turn and look at him. And in that moment, he feels shame. The way we all do when our bodily weakness becomes visible. <laughs> and he abandons the plan to talk to her. Well, later in the story, in my favorite scene, he works up the courage to approach her again. And this time, he makes it all the way to her flower stall. And he begins this awkward conversation. And it's absolutely hilarious. He asks her if the flowers are smelly. He means fragrant, but he's so nervous. That's how it comes out. And when he bends over to smell the flowers, again, his leg brace makes this shrill squawk. And this time, though, there's no chance to retreat with any kind of dignity. He's totally exposed. And so resigned to his humiliation, he simply says, you see, I was injured in the war, and it will never heal. Good evening, mademoiselle. And he turns to go. This is his most human moment. All the walls have come down. At which point, she immediately says, I lost my brother. He turns. He says, where? She says, in Verdun. His face changes. Suddenly, where there was pain and shame, there's relief and joy. He takes a step back towards her. He's speechless. She then clips a flower and places it in his lapel. And a friendship is born and healing. And by the end of the movie, they, I'm not going to tell you. You're just going to have to see it. I love that scene. 
And I love it because for me, it's a picture of what happens when we take the risk of drawing close to our fellow Jesus followers and sharing who we are, letting them in. Over and over again, there's such a great reward for vulnerability, that personal disclosure. Well, it's breakthroughs like that, that small group spiritual companionship, the transformative group it leads to. And through transformative groups, God's spirit over and over again brings healing, brings new insight into who we really are, new starts, new grooves of Christ-likeness in the granite of our characters, leaving us more alive and more joyful and more hopeful and more equipped for the sacrificial love that is the essence of light-bearing. And that's why we offer them to you here at Hillside. And that's why we're giving you a chance to sign up for a group starting August 14th. That's why we will work to custom create a group for you for a set period of time to see how it works. Gary, one of the team members, is serving downstairs with our kids. But if Jane and Maryland and Sarah would come up, I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these three friends. They're four friends, Gary, downstairs. I, I want to tell you how grateful I am that you have given me, given us ministry partners who burn to help hillsiders flourish in transformative groups like Council and I do. And I thank you for the hard work they've already put into our group's ministry. It's already borne fruit over the last many months. And Holy Spirit, I pray that as you have, you would continue to anoint them. Jane, Sarah, Marilyn, and Gary. You would anoint them for their work at Hillside. Their work to build up our culture of spiritual companionship so that we can change and so that we can be brighter bearers of your light. Help us to be open to their ministry as they will be open to our ministry to them. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.